Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. One plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus vest that expires seven days after receipt. See full terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hello and welcome. This is Colleen O'Grady, the host of the Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. This is a gathering place for moms to be encouraged, nurtured, and inspired. Also, you'll learn the latest in teen research and trends and get practical parenting tips. You really can improve your relationship with your teen and enjoy the teenage years. Welcome back, everybody. This is Colleen O'Grady, and I'm the host of the Power Your Parenting Moms with Teen podcast. This is actually the 26th episode, and today is, the title is Embodied Mom, Support Your Teen in Being Body Positive. Such an important topic. And we have a special guest today, and this is Connie Subcheck, and she is the author of Embody, Learning to Love Your Unique Body. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. And quiet that critical voice and how we all know that critical voice. Um, she is an educator, speaker, filmmaker, co-founder of The Body Positive, a nonprofit organization where, for the past 20 years, she has skillfully and lovingly reconnected teens and adults to their body wisdom to make more balanced, joyful self-care choices. Her Be Body Positive model offers a guide for people to create a relationship with their whole selves that is guided by love, forgiveness, and humor. Connie's experience with an eating disorder in her teen years and the death of her sister Stephanie inspired her life's work to create a world where all people are free to love their bodies. She raised her daughter Carmen in the body positive community 
where children and teens learn to value their authentic beauty and identity and use their energy and intellect to make positive changes in their own lives and in their communities. So welcome, Connie. Thank you, Colleen. I am so happy to be talking with you. Yes. So let me tell you, moms, why I've invited Connie to be a part of this podcast. Um, this is such an important message for all you moms. You know, I've just finished my Dial Down the Drama series from my book, Dial Down the Drama, Reducing Conflict and Reconnecting with Your Teenage Daughter. And what I know is that one area where there is a ton of drama is between parents and teens is around food, diet, body image. I mean, especially for teenage girls, but it's also for boys, too. See, I think it's really hard for moms to know what to say or how to help their teen when they see their son or daughter not eating enough or binging on junk food, complaining how fat and ugly they are, that you know her breasts are too big or he's not big enough, or just not having good you know eating habits. And you know, and I know my daughter, she went to a performing arts school and she was a dancer. And I mean, it's not just in the home, it's, it's just, it's in the culture. And that's what I really appreciate about your work, Connie, just really looking at that. But her dance instructor was, was criticizing my daughter all the time about her weight. And they would have to weigh each other every day in ballet class. And my daughter was not the five, five little ballerina. She was, you know, five, nine. And so, you know, I dealt with this up close and personal with my daughter. And, and so what I know from my own daughter and that I'm a female and, you know, and just listening to teens in my private practice is, you know, there's so much, and mothers too, you know, there's, there's so much hate and dislike and, and even shame about our bodies. And, and I think, I think when moms hear that, they don't know what to do with it and, it, it just kind of blows up. So that's why I'm so interested in your work, the body positive, because that's the, the exact opposite of what we normally think about in our own bodies. So I guess where I'd like to start with you, Connie, is uh, why did you start the body positive and what that is and, um, and your book and why did you write Embody? Absolutely. Well, first of all, you bring up great points. One of the reasons I started this work was just got really tired of hearing every single person that I knew talking, trashing their bodies, talking about how much they hated themselves. Um, but the main reasons that the work came to life and the organization was founded, um, three things actually happened in my life. The first was that I was a body-hating teenager. I started um, hating myself around the age of 12. By 15, a friend had taught me how to have an eating disorder, so I became bulimic and really got lost in bulimia for the next probably about close to seven years. So when I was 21 years old, I was at the point where I just was so demoralized. I didn't, there was, at the time I had bulimia, there wasn't even a word for it. So I didn't get any help at all, but I was dropping in and out of college. I thought something was wrong with my major. Finally, I figured out something was wrong with me and I stepped out to heal. 
um, which I had to do on my own. This was in the early 80s. Um, so during this time, too, my sister Stephanie, who was four years older than I am, she was a big teenager. She was 5'11". She had big feet. She was just a big girl. And um, because of the shame she felt about her size, she was also binge eating is when I look back and see that now. Um, at the dinner table, my dad, um, with good intention, but in a very destructive way, gave her comments about the food she was eating. He would say, oh, Stephanie, do you want to eat that? Do you know how many calories are in that? And it just went on and on. And so I sat there um, as a scrawny little prepubescent child watching this happen, and I knew subconsciously that I didn't want my dad talking to me like that. So when my sister joined Weight Watchers, I started dieting with her and all my friends were dieting too. So it was just very, very easy for me to do that. But Stephanie um, got really lost. She she lost weight on Weight Watchers as 95% of people do. She gained the weight back and more. And then she too became bulimic. Um, she found it on her own. And so together we bonded over our eating disorder. She never got over her eating disorder. And then when she was in her early 20s, she also got breast implants. Uh, one of them hardened. The doctors crushed the implant with their forehands, two doctors with their mm. forehands. Yeah, really bad. And mm. silicone leaked through her body and caused an autoimmune disease that ended up killing her by the time she was 36. So between the eating disorder and the um, lupus, she just her body was ravaged. And so she died at 36, and at the time, my daughter Carmen was just over a year old, and I was really scared. I thought, oh my God, how do I raise a girl child, especially um, at that time, it was 25 years ago, with um, out having body hatred, and that I don't want her to go through what Stephanie and I did. And mm. so I decided to change the world. I really, it was very you know grandiose as it sounds. I just really believed that I could change the world for Carmen and, and let her grow up in a different way than we did. So that was the initial uh, reason that the body positive came to life. Um, since then, it's been really incredible. I met a social worker, Elizabeth Scott, and we formed a leadership program to train teen girls to um, do work in their schools with their peers. And since then, that's led to working with all genders and um, college students and then also professionals to bring our curriculum to people of all ages. So Carmen's world really was different. She grew up around very diverse people who were all doing the work to love their bodies. So I wasn't alone. And that's one of the things I think is really important for moms to know is it's really hard if you're isolated and you're the only one giving information to your daughter. So it's why yeah. we help schools start and communities start um, body positive programs. And then Embody, writing Embody was for me to be able to tell my story um, and then really inspire people, not just people who are working with kids, but all people of all ages to um, do the work to love their bodies and create a more positive relationship with food. Mm, that's that's so awesome. And it comes from such a, a true and honest place that you do this work. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. I, I have to say that um, I just finished reading your book, Embody, and it's it's a must read. And I would encourage um, the moms listening to, to buy the book. It, uh, it It's just really great. There's a lot of practical 
exercises at the end of the book, really important information. And, you know, I've been a therapist for 25 years, and this has a really fresh take mm-hmm. on, on you know, our body image and how to really love our bodies. And it's I would really encourage y'all to go and get this book. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I can tell she put a lot of work in this thing. <laughs> I did. And I run the nonprofit organization at the same time, so it took a while. <laughs> yes. So, so question I have for you, and it, it, you know, I hear all these things in my private practice, you know, between mothers and daughters, and in my programs. But so, what can moms do, like, if they see their like daughters are eating a gigantic bag of Cheetos? Um, you know, they just don't have healthy eating eating habits, and so they won't eat their dinner. Or, you know, what do you do because it's it, it just seems like a no-win situation for mom. Right. So, so this is a great question. First of all, one of the things is to remember that how you were when you were a teenager and that perhaps you ate more quote-unquote junk food than you do now. So I just always ask moms to kind of step back, relax a little bit, trust that if you are promoting healthy eating habits overall – if your daughter has a bag of Cheetos here and there, or if you know it's not a regular habit of only eating junk food and not eating dinner, then it's going to be okay. Uh, one of the things we say, first of all, is don't make negative comments about the food that they're eating. It will not help, and it will send your daughter in the opposite direction. So I've been thinking about this, and I was, and one of my friends um, is great who blurts out a lot, and so she has this. Um, thing that she says to herself, which is KMMS, keep my mouth shut. <laughs> and so I, I love that. I use it myself for when I'm blurting and trying not to blurt. Um, so that's the first thing to remember is don't, don't comment. Don't make a negative comment about it because it just creates shame and it also creates resistance. I was thinking that ask her to share the bag of Cheetos with you. And that will kind of surprise her because she's not expecting you to do that. Perhaps she's waiting for you to make that negative comment. So say, hey, can I have some too? And then perhaps just say, hey, I am cooking dinner tonight. I'm really tired. I'd love some company and some help. Why don't you help me? And then over the creation of a beautiful, healthy meal, and you're not talking about it as being healthy. You don't have to point that out, but you're just cooking together. You can be nibbling on you know, greens and whatever you're making together and talking and just having a conversation while you're eating, but ask for help in the kitchen. Ask her to participate with you and then try and do that on a regular basis and then allow her to make food choices and say, What's, what are we going to have? And you can buy the food for her, but she gets to pick the meal. So bonding over food in a positive way and without any stress about being good or bad or healthy or not healthy is really powerful. And then making sure that in that dinner that you're including eating together like a little bite of chocolate or having some sort of something so it's not like we only eat these foods and we don't eat these foods and sugar is bad and this is good. That's the key way to set in motion, like in my family with my dad, um, the problem with food. Yeah, and and when you said good or bad, and I and I remember reading that in your book, I mean, so much language is around this is good food or bad food, or I've been good, or I've been bad. Yes. And 
and so that's a really good thing to be conscious of around the meal times is yeah. s- so that you're not labeling food good or bad, right? Right, absolutely. And I know from experience from all of the teens that I've worked with and all of my daughter's friends and all of the homes where there was restriction that all of those girls that were in my life, they were binging, hoarding, sneaking. I just remember my daughter one time saying, wow, it's so amazing to watch so-and-so because I know she can't have any of this at home. And the first thing she does when we're out together is buy a huge bag of candy. (laughs) And she's like, you know, sometimes I want, my daughter is saying, sometimes I want candy, but I don't need that giant bag. And I know it's because she's not allowed to have it at home. Oh, goodness, that is so true. Because I, yeah, I've heard so many stories of all the girls who have the snicker bars in their room or, you know. Yes, yes. One of my friends, she's in her 20s, and she just told me she grew up with us, and um, she told me that she's, we were talking about sneaking out of the house at night, so telling teenage stories, and she said, yeah, the only time I used to sneak out, I was a pretty good kid, but the only time I would sneak out was when I went to the grocery store in the middle of the night to buy candy, because I didn't have <laughs> So not getting beer, but she's getting candy. Exactly, right, exactly, <laughs> right, because she was denied that, and there was a lot of pressure on her to have a certain weight, and that her her mom was on her case about her weight all the time. Even though she was really athletic and, and active, there was so much pressure to look a certain way, um, and that health looked a certain way that she had to sneak and hide. Yeah. But I also want to say that if you see other so more disordered eating habits like not eating at all or pushing food around the plate or going off to the bathroom after every meal and suddenly the door is locked and you're hearing the water running for a long time, I mean, these are signs that there might be some problems. And, and so you definitely want to find out more and get some help. Um, one of the ways to do that, the nationaleatingdisorders.com has a great resource for signs and symptoms of eating disorders. So that's a place to start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I really like this. And I, I know in terms of dealing with drama with moms and daughters and, and sons, but um, a lot of times when we say, you know, I think moms can panic like yes. we can go, we can see her eat the gigantic bag of Cheetos and go, oh my God, she's going to just gain so much weight and we panic. Right. So a lot of the um, keep your mouth shut is really kind of calming our, our own self down and saying it, it's okay. Like yes. you're saying it's, it's okay if, if she's not eating all quote good food and yes. it will kind of work itself out. And usually the timing is bad. Right. If, right. So if the girl has the Cheeto up in her mouth and the mom says, what are you doing? That it's just, it's, it's a bad ending. Right. Yes, it is. And one of the things is that, um, we're looking for balance over time. So we're looking for healthy behaviors over a period of time. Like if, if you leave, there's studies that show, and with little children, if you leave them alone, if you offer them all sorts of foods and they can eat when they're hungry and stop when they're full, they will get their nutritional needs met over a period of about a month. Um, so I remember when my daughter was little, there were times when all she wanted were brown foods and basically carbohydrates. And so we had a thing at, at dinner when this is also, but when she was younger, so you, this was building into that place where she could make good decisions for herself when she was a teenager, balanced decisions. And, um, 
so we, I would say, do you want something green? Does your body need something green? And she would say, I don't know. And I'd say, take a no thank you bite. And so she could have a bite and then she could say, no, thank you. I just want this other food. And, and that was really helpful. So for any moms that have younger children, young children, as well as teens, this is a great way to kind of think about food in a different way with them. And then helping them get to decide when Carmen was a little bit older, she would say, can I have dessert? And, and because she'd been educated and learning about listening to her body, I would say, I don't know, can you, you, you can decide, let's talk about what, you know, how you feel about what you've been eating and you get to make the decision. And sometimes she'd say, oh, well, I was at so-and-so's house and we ate a bunch of candy after school. So I think I'll have a piece of fruit or something else for dessert tonight. So, so getting them by the time they leave home and are off on their own, we want them to be able to make decisions for themselves and not have been so restricted that they go out once they get to college or out on their own and, and go crazy and binge. Yeah. Because that's really, that happens all the time. Right. Yes, it does. So I really like that of turning that around and, um, cause I think, I think girls do that in so many different ways. So turning it around and asking her, well, I don't know, what do you, what do you think? That's right. great. Yes. Yeah. A lot of our work is asking questions. Our whole model was uh, formed by asking questions, feminist model, um, asking questions rather than telling people. Yeah. So we gathered information by saying, what are, what's going on with you? What are the problems you're seeing? This all started with the teen girls. And then what are the obstacles to you loving yourself and having a balanced relationship with your body and food? And then how can we support you in making the changes that you want to see in your environment? Yeah. And, you, and maybe you can talk a little bit about intuitive eating. Um, and, and what I see in that, um, and you can tell me if, if I'm on the right track, it's really about increasing their awareness and, and being more conscious of what their body wants. Is that correct? Yes. So our bodies have incredible wisdom. And what I learned when I got over my eating disorder, because I was so out of balance, I had no idea how to make food choices. And so what I taught myself, and now there's a, I mean, there was no intuitive eating field at the time. Now there's the, it's a whole you know, body of work and study, and it's been backed up by science, which is lovely. But I did it all from the inside out. And so it was really this first asking myself, what do I want? And I would always say, what do I want instead of what do I need? Because for me, need was associated with should, and that was associated with guilt, and that was what my eating disorder was about. So what do I want? And so I would take a really long time to listen and, and let information come up from my body. And then I would look at foods. So I'd be looking in my refrigerator. Do I have anything I want? Is it something green or red or comforting or hot or cold or, you know, based on seasons or how I'm feeling or I'm sad or all of these different emotions, but also physical needs would play into my decision. And so then from there, I would try and get as close to what I wanted as I could. And then afterwards, it was how do I feel? And so sometimes it would go well, and sometimes it wouldn't. Intuitive eating is all about experimenting. It's trial yeah. and error. And the key thing with being able to live intuitively around food and exercise and all the ways we care for ourselves is that we have to have forgiveness if we make what we think of as a mistake. 
And so that's where self-love comes into the piece, forgiveness and self-love. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, because if we beat ourselves up because we don't get it right, like I ate too much or I didn't eat enough or I eat this food and I got bloated or whatever happens to you, um, if you beat yourself up, then you don't learn. You just Then you're trying to avoid that meanness and so you just turn away from it and you'll repeat the same behaviors. So with young people, if they're allowed to make what we think of as mistakes that they can then learn. And instead of like, yeah, see, I told you, you shouldn't have eaten that instead of saying, Oh, okay. So your body doesn't feel well, that's okay. So next time you might think about, you know, seeing how you feel afterwards. And maybe, maybe this is just a, a, you know, difficult way to learn, but you learn something. It's okay. Yeah. So you, you make, you make the teen, the observer, the child, the observer. Right, right. I mean, I have a story that I tell to parents of young children, again, when Carmen was little, and I was teaching her about this. And she she actually wrote a blog on our website, thebodypositive.org, with the the is important to find us. But it's a great blog about her view of this experience where she ended up eating five soft boiled eggs in a row <laughs> at five years old. And I was asking her each time, how do you feel? How does your tummy feel? You know, as we went along. And, and afterwards, she was like, I don't feel well. And I said, okay, that's how you learn. So next time, and knowing that you could have one maybe at night or the next morning, that this is just how you learn. And she didn't eat eggs for a month and then she was back on. <laughs> it's really sweet to read her her view of the experience she just wrote the blog last month so I love that oh that's great yeah so uh, kind of moving on so if if a mom has a daughter who who thinks she's too fat and you know she doesn't have a big enough thigh gap or you know it just really you 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 talk about the the critical voice and I do too I, I or the mean voice and I actually call it the mean voice in my book mm -hmm. um you know, what, what is a mom to do if she just goes on and on and on? Yeah, this is one of the hardest things to deal with. And this is where when you're alone and you're isolated and you're not part of a, what we call body positive community, it's, it's really tough. And I don't want moms to feel like they are responsible for fixing their daughters or, or because, I mean, you can help, you can hurt, but you, also are dealing, as you said in the beginning, with a gigantic cultural message that is so um, damaging to our young people. Um, so, so we come back to asking questions. Wow, where did you get that idea? Who told you that? How, how, what makes you think that? And see where that goes. So if you have a relationship with your daughter or son where you have that dialogue where you can ask questions, um, they might not answer right away. But you're also putting that out there for them to think about later. Yeah, where did I get this message? And then what I do, and I've done this all the way through, and so it wasn't like directly saying to Carmen, oh, this is what's bad about culture. I would just say things like, wow, it's so sad to know how many people, girls, I would say girls, hate their bodies. It just makes me so sad. And to know that, you know, people really struggle over their bodies and they spend all this time just thinking they have to change themselves when they could be just living their lives. I mean, this just makes me really sad. How does it make you feel? I mean, what does it make you feel like? And so you're asking a question again. And you're kind of bringing it into a cultural context of, something's wrong out there that's causing this. It's not her and it's not you. It's that we live in this culture. But you're not going at them like, you shouldn't feel this way. Also, yeah. don't say, oh, you're not fat. 
because first of all, I mean, one of the things I also want to say is really honor that weight fluctuates a lot during puberty for, especially for girls, the amount of weight that a child puts, a girl child puts on between pre-puberty and then full-on puberty is, it's really high. I, I, I can't remember the numbers in the study I saw, but it's quite high. So we really want to back off from that, yes, you're getting fat comments. And so, um, or, oh, you're not fat because that's not what they want to hear. So it's, it's, um, you, you could also share stories about your own struggles with your body when you were a teenager, if you have that type, type of relationship. Um, and then I think, and this is where the body positive comes in is we go to the school environment. And so, all of our work is peer-led. So if your school has a student-led program, there's a really good chance that that message that you want your daughter to have or your son to have will come from another student, and then they'll really listen to it because yeah. they'll listen to their peers more than they will to us. As my colleague Elizabeth says, we're chopped liver adults, and they really <laughs> have to pay attention, even if we say it in a much more articulate way. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and, and what I know with moms, and I, a lot of the moms I work with is, you know, if it's about being, you know, the, the girl complaining about being fat or she hates herself, the mom will go in to being kind of the cheerleader and say, yes, you are, and then the girl gets mad at her, yes. and I can't tell you how many moms end up just losing it right then. Exactly. Yes. yes. Right. Because then you're hurt because you're not being heard and you're trying to be loving and you get rejected in this moment where you're really trying to do the right thing, which is make your daughter feel better. And, and I think so it's be able to do, just be able to let her suffer in that moment and say, wow, that's so sad that you feel that way. I'm really, it hurts my heart that you, that you don't love yourself, that you hate yourself so much or that you're, you're expressing this distress over your body. It really hurts me. It makes me feel sad. Because that's not something they're usually expecting. They're waiting for the cheerleader. And if the cheerleader doesn't come in, then they have to sit with that feeling. Yeah. And I also liked how you, you phrased that question earlier um, about isn't it sad that so many girls hate their body when we have this wonderful like, – like you can give them a vision of how it's supposed to be in a yes. question. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And even if they don't respond, you're planting seeds. And that's what's really important. Another thing I want to say is if you have a scale in your house, get rid of it. We do not need to stand on scales. It is the most damaging thing for people. The only time we really need to know what we weigh is if we're going under anesthesia or taking a certain type of medication. I mean, it's just not necessary to have a scale in the house. And so if you take that out, then you're also removing this what I think of is this just evil thing that your daughter <laughs> or your son will be focused on as a way to measure their goodness or badness each day. Yeah, that that's a great idea. Yeah. So how can moms teach their daughters to love their unique bodies? So you start by loving your own. And that's key. You yeah. have to do the work to love your own. And again, coming back to that, keep my mouth shut. Never make a comment about your body. Never make a negative comment about your body. I also realized I I don't make comments about aging. I don't complain about aging in front of my daughter. Um, We're in that new stage of she's a young adult and I'm a menopausal woman. And so I don't make, I, I really am very, very conscious about being so 
positive or just neutral about my body or, or you know, I, I don't say anything. So that's, that's key. So, so let me, don't let me make st- comments about other people's bodies either. So let me just stop you there because I, I think that's loaded with um, information. So, so, so explain a little bit more why you don't make comments about your body. How, so, th- how does that impact the teen? Okay, so what I hear all the time from teens is, wow, my mom, you know, I, they'll say, my mom never commented to me directly about my body, but she was always trashing her own, and I have the same body, or I was bigger, I'm bigger than my mom, and so mm. she's this skinny person complaining about her body, and I'm bigger, so that made me feel like I was horrible, or I have the same body that my mom has, whatever size it is, and so she's hating her body, so I just learned that that's what I'm supposed to do. Oh, that's, yeah, yeah, that's really true. Yeah, and we're all part of this culture. So if you've been doing that, forgive yourself. And that's another piece with all of this. If you've been making comments about your daughter's body to her or your son's body to him, forgive yourself. Start now. Don't beat yourself up because you won't learn anything. Move forward and move forward together with your children to say, wow, this is a really messed up thing. Let's fix this together. Let's work on this together. And then make it fun. I mean, just and have, uh, what does it mean in your house to be body positive? What does it mean to make changes in how we feel about ourselves? Yeah. And, if, and if it's not working, get help. Really, this is an important issue to get help with. Um, Elizabeth, my social worker colleague, works with a lot of families. So she has teen clients, but she also then will work with the, the parents as well to help them do their own healing work. Wow. Now, you, one of the exercises you had, which I really liked, is, is um, writing a letter to yourself or your, to your body. Or Yes. Or, could you talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we call it love letters. Um, and at my workshops, it's really fun because people write the letter, they put it in an envelope, and I send it out at a random date in the future. And so it's so cute because I'll get these emails saying, oh, it was the perfect timing. How did you know? <laughs> and so what I realize is it's always the perfect time <laughs> for someone to get one of these letters. Yes, absolutely. Um, so we do it in a couple of ways. Some people will write a poem to themselves and just just go on and on about um, as if they're their lover or this person who just unconditionally loves them. And so they write this beautiful piece to themselves. Some people feel the need to um, make an apology, whether it's to a certain body part or to their whole self um, around the way they've been treating themselves. So dear thighs would be mine because that's why I wanted, I had my eating disorder. I thought something was wrong with my thighs. Dear thighs, thank you so much. Or first of all, I'm sorry that I've been attacking you for so many years. I really appreciate the strength in you to be able to get you to climb mountains and carry your daughter around. And um, I'm making a commitment now to really do the work as best as I can to love you from this day forward. And then you let the body part speak and the body part can speak back and say, thank you. I, I forgive you. And I really, you know, I, I'm here for you and I will always be here for you. And then, so that's another way to write the letter, which is really powerful for people. Mm. So there's a bunch of ways to do it. And then put it in an envelope, give it to somebody else to mail to you at a different time. That's great. Yeah. So what's your final tip moms? Well, one of the things I really want to say is if you want to build community around this issue, 
to check out the Body Positive and what we offer in terms of creating community because community is one of the main principles of our model and it makes it so much easier to do this work. So that's one tip I would say, um, getting it into the school or you starting your own book group and so you can talk about it with other moms and, and really have that community just to support each other in your own um, building your own um, self-love and, and relationship with your body. And then the other thing is, again, to, to not worry so much about the specifics of the self-care, um, to really do your best to role model healthy behaviors that aren't extreme. Um, so you have balance, but you're, you're relaxed about your own self-care, um, but you believe in healthy living and um, honoring your genetic inheritance because who knows who you come from. We all come in different shapes and sizes. So really celebrating that in your family and, um, and then honoring that or knowing that your child will take that in and met, whether they eat that bag of Cheetos now or they have some unhealthier behaviors, that as they grow, they will remember everything that you've taught them and they'll take that with them into adulthood. Oh, that's great, Connie. So how can they contact you? And um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so we are thebodypositive.org. And I want to say one thing, body positive has become a phrase that's out in the world in a big way, way beyond VR. So be thoughtful about what you read as body positive. Not all of it is part of the body positive and what we stand for. Um, so that's been an interesting thing that's happened over the last five years. So thebodypositive.org is our website. Um, we can be reached at info at thebodypositive.org. Um, on the website, there is a free offer um, of an ebook. It's, so if you can't get or if you want to just kind of get a hit of what Embody is about, um, the ebook is called Three Essential Skills for Loving the Skin You're In. And so you can sign up and read that first. That's, that's great. So moms, take advantage of that offer. And Connie, I just want to say thank you again for your time. And I know you have lots of things going on. So thanks for stopping by. It's been my absolute pleasure, Colleen. Thanks all right. for all the great work you're doing, too. I really appreciate it. All right. Well, you have a great day. Thanks. You, too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to Power Your Parenting Moms with Teen podcast. Be sure and go to ColleenOGrady.com for more helpful resources. You can also get a free chapter from my book, Dial Down the Drama. Or join me on Facebook at Colleen O'Grady Power Your Parenting. I'm there every single day. If today's podcast was helpful... Go to Amazon.com or Barnes & Noble, and you can order my book, Dial Down the Drama, Reducing Conflict, and Reconnecting with Your Teenage Daughter. I will talk to you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.